we all get stuck in what we should do or what we should have done. The word should can inspire us and it can inhibit us. It can get us moving and it can hold us back. Why is it so hard to move past complacency and get inspired to build the fulfilling future that we want? You are listening to Should Theory. Let's talk it out. Stories, interviews, and more to inform and inspire you towards building the future that you want. Get motivated, figure out how you want to shift, and then get your shift together. I'm Tara Grebe. Let's do this with the Should Theory. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Should Theory. Today, for you, I have a really special treat. I'm talking today to June Morrow, and if I say to you the name June Morrow, that may mean absolutely nothing to you at this point, and that's okay. Um, I first saw June many months ago while scrolling through Instagram or Facebook, not really sure. I follow Jay Shetty, who is an inspirational and motivational guy, and he posts not only his own material, but also material that makes people think. And June's speech, I don't want to give away her story, but June's speech on a topic was featured on Jay's uh, social media. And I remember watching it and being so impressed with her strength and her vulnerability And I took what I could from that video. And then, of course, like we all do, I went about my life and continued doing my thing. And fast forward to a few weeks back, and um, I had put out a call on a Facebook group that I'm part of for podcast guests. And lo and behold, June Morrow answered my call. And I said, oh, great. And I saw the name, and I didn't really look at the picture. And it only took me a minute or two to go, holy crap, it's her. (laughs) And so here she is. I'm so excited. And um, she has an amazing story to tell. June, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me here. So excited to be talking to you. Um, Generally, I follow a format of questions where um, you know, we work through a person's difficult spot and, and how they moved along. I really just want to let you tell your story. So if you would just tell us about yourself and all the great things, and we're going to move on from there. Wow. Okay. So I guess I'll go back to the video, the video that you saw and start with that story, because I think that's really where a lot of life changes start um, for me. So in my 20s, in my early, mid 20s, I, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with my life. And so Uh, I knew I wanted to travel and I wanted to take some time to figure out who I was. And I wanted to make some money fast to be able to do that. So I started stripping, thinking this was a fast way to get cash. Mm -hmm. And over the next six years, I kind of got stuck there. I got stuck in this, you know, working in the bars and um, trying to make make a living as the world was changing around me and stripping was changing around me. And like, um, and it was really, it became a very dark place for me, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was a place where I wasn't using my intelligence. I was using my body, but I started my, my self-esteem, the way that I looked at myself was very much about, you know, like how can I manipulate people into giving me money with my body? It wasn't really where I wanted to be at all. So I I was feeling extremely stuck and extremely lost there. I have a question um, yeah. about that. Now, um, 
I love how you said, yeah, I needed to make some money. And so I just decided to start stripping. (laughs) I'm I'm thinking, (laughs) I'm thinking about myself and I'm thinking about others who, yeah, back in the day, I probably um, would have been more confident than now in my 40s and the gravity that happens. But (laughs) I'm thinking back and, you know, what a bold choice in the first place to have the confidence to, to see stripping as an option to make money. Can you talk about yeah. that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, prior to doing this, I was working in finance, um, but kind of a dead-end job. I actually, if we even rewind behind, like, what happened after that. So, up until, let's say up until 24, I'm living a fairly regular life, right? Mm-hmm. I grew up nice, nice home in the suburbs, no abuse, nothing, you know, Right, like you didn't that. have like a just, terrible dysfunctional life didn't that caused you to become a stripper. No, no, <laughs> no, I came from a, like, a happy middle-class family, right. you know, I was, you know, I was, I had a pretty good life, uh, got married to my high school sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, sometime around, like, I guess I was around 24 and I started feeling really a lot of discontent. I was in my twenties. I was thinking, I want to see the world. I want to explore. I want to go travel. And my husband was like, I want to start having babies and let's buy a house. Right. And there was a, there was a disconnect, a disconnect there. And then I was unhappy with my job too. I was feeling really like, I think there's more to me than working in this job, this kind of clerical job in mm-hmm. the financial industry. And I was really bored there. And um, I don't know if it was, I think I saw at Tony Robbins. I started getting into self-help, which right. is a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous hole. It really is. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I started getting into self-help. I went and I saw Tony Robbins and I saw him on stage and I was like, oh my God, this is what I want to do. I want to be Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm. So I drank the Kool-Aid. I went head first. Um, I, I quit my job and I decided to be a, a motivational speaker. So, um, and around the same time, I actually, I got separated from my husband because mm-hmm. I realized our life paths were different. Sure. You want to Yeah. Things. So a lot of changes at once. And I'm like, I'm going to be Tony Robbins. And I was so gung ho. And I had my first event. It was called the Great Dream Connection. And I put mm-hmm. ads in the newspaper for it. Like this was before the internet. Right. I called like the 12 people I knew and invited them. And the big day came and uh, two people showed up uh. and they, they both thought it was an English as a second language course because oh I, I was in a university. And um yeah, and I put like the $300 to my name into this. And then I just felt like such a failure because I didn't realize that, you know, success is about failing and then getting back well, up to failing. it just crushes your spirit too because you oh. have so much hope in what you're about to put out into the world and then you get no response or a negative response. Yeah, and I just felt like, what did I do wrong? Yeah, yeah. Maybe this isn't in the cards and what, what am I going to do now? So I had to get another job really fast because I was – Hence the stripping. And again, kudos to you for the confidence because I feel like um, most people stereotypically would think um, that that a lack of confidence maybe would make you choose that. But I disagree. I would have to say that, you know, you need to be really comfortable in your own skin um, to be able to do that. Yeah. I think confident in your body. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you need to be so confident in your, 
um, you have to be confident enough to approach people. Like it was a real stretch for me, to be honest. Right. Because where I live in Canada, the way that the strippers make money is they aren't tipped on stage, right? We don't right. have a $1 bill. So they make all of their money going around and selling. At the time it was table dances, now right. it's lap dances. Right. So you have to have the confidence to be able to approach people and schmooze them and right. make conversation. And for me, this was that part. Like getting naked wasn't difficult for me. I mm -hmm. felt like, oh, I'm, you know, I had a hot bod back then. I was in my 20s. <laughs> right. I wouldn't do it today. Right, <laughs> today it would right. come with a warning. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So it was like, but the part about approaching people, but mm -hmm. I looked at it like I look at everything. I'm like, oh, this is an opportunity to learn sales skills. So I was going to be okay. the best darn stripper and the best darn sales stripper salesperson that there was. So, you know, right. I was still really into the self-help. So, yeah, so I got in there even with high hopes about that, like, oh, this is going to be self-improvement. <laughs> <laughs> so six years, six years you did so that. Six years I did it. Yeah, I would, what I would do is I would set a goal for myself and then I'd reach that goal. So I thought, you know, I, I, my first goal was take, make enough money to travel. And I did that and then I traveled and then I, on my travels, I realized I want to go back to school. I want to finish my university. So, um, so I got back and I did, and then I said, okay, well, I'll, I'm doing my university by correspondence back then, mm -hmm. correspondence, like on actually tapes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I said, okay, I'll finish my BA, I'll get my bachelor of arts and then I'll figure out what to do. So I stripped while I did the university mm -hmm. and then I did that and I was like, now what do I want to do? And I was like, I couldn't think of like what sort of job to get or anything. I knew I loved learning, but I didn't really know anything else. So I was doing this and then I just kind of, you know, I achieve a goal, goal and I'd be kind of lost, which happens. Right. Right. It happens like it doesn't matter if your goal is like a little goal or a big goal. There's always a point when you achieve something where you're going to be like, what next? Right. And you're going to be searching for a little bit. So that was me. And I was and at the same time, the industry where I was working was changing. It was becoming more competitive. There mm -hmm. was, uh, you know, the the boundary between between clients and dancer was getting closer and, you know, was breaking down and um, the internet had started. So there was like porn on the internet and, you know, guys could get see naked girls at any time. Sure. Whereas when I started, it was all fun. And then it became like this kind of mix. In some places it was, you know, there was a mix of prostitution. So it kind of just got darker and darker. And at the same time, I kind of started feeling more and more like lost within it. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I was feeling stuck there. So I'd done like, I'd done my trip. I'd done a degree. I still didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And I was, at this time I was like 31 mm. and that's really old <laughs> for stripping. It yeah. sounds very young now, but in the, in the business, it's kind of, you're getting up I hear there, you. Right? I hear you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like looking around, like, what do I want to do next? And then one day I was in the change room and I saw this newsletter and it was a, it was like just this photocopied thing. And it was like two pages and it was by strippers for strippers. And it was just like one of those moments, like epiphany moments where the mm. angels sing, you know, where it's like, right. Lights and then the down. spotlight yep, comes down yep. on it, comes to my face, back down on it. And it was like, I was like, I could write for this thing. And I didn't, I didn't have any aspirations about it. I was mm -hmm. just like super excited. I, I have a lot of stories about stripping that I want to tell. And I have a lot of information that I want to share and like things that can help other girls. And I was just like, it was like something just lit up in me. And yeah. I was like, so I, I, like I emailed the, the publisher. I had no idea who was behind it. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, maybe I could, would you like a, an article on this or whatever? And um, yeah, and I had, and then they called me to a meeting and it was published by this group called the Exotic Dancers Alliance. Mm -hmm. And they were an advocacy group working to improve uh, conditions for exotic dancers mm -hmm. in Ontario. Okay. And um, 
yeah. And the, it was turned out like the person who had put that together, they were leaving and they needed somebody else to put it together. And so this was like, it was just like this thing that just lit me up. I love that. It it's, lit me up. Isn't it funny how, um, you know, I've said this time and time again when I speak with people that you, you're searching for what you think the next steps should be or where you think you're going to find them. And, and I can already, I mean, I'm, you're alluding to where you're going next, but you're ready to write because you see, first of all, you see this pamphlet, which yeah. isn't handed to you, isn't mailed to you. It's just there and you come across it and all of a sudden, you know, you weren't aspiring to be a writer or, or, you know, anything in that wheelhouse. And yet you saw this pamphlet and it lit you up. So you, mm -hmm. you inquired, you got curious about it and then, Hey, yeah, we're interested in that, but we also need this. And you had, again, the courage to say, yeah, I'll be the new organizer of that thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I was like, oh yeah, sure. I'd love to edit. And I didn't know anything about editing. I didn't know about anything about putting together, um, you know, a little newsletter, Right. but, but it was like everything about it just really, really excited me. And I mean, it wasn't getting paid for this. It was just like a fun thing. Right, right. Filled yeah. your bucket. It filled my bucket. So yeah. I was learning how to do graphic design and layout and I was learning editing and I was writing a whole bunch of stories and I was like coming up with ideas for like, we could write about this and this and this and this type of story and this type of story and doing all the things really that editors do and mm -hmm. writers do, right? Right. Graphic design, but communicators. Sure. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, I became, um, as that kind of progressed, I taught myself web design because we wanted to put it on the internet and that mm -hmm. was all just starting at that time. And then uh, they needed a spokesperson. So I got to go on the media and be on television. And were, you I still that. were you still stripping at this yeah, time? Yeah, I was. <laughs> and was so that was, was how you were making the money. That was yeah. how you were paying for yourself to do whatever yeah. you needed to do. But then this was what you were building yeah. As you were going along. Okay. Yeah. And the interesting thing is the more like, so I was doing this for free and what I would do, it eventually got to, I would make enough to pay my rent and my mm -hmm. bills. Mm -hmm. And then I would spend all the rest of my free time doing this other stuff. Right. Because I just enjoyed it so much. Right. And the more that I did these things that lit me up intellectually and spiritually and creatively, the less I could tolerate stripping. Mm. Right. The less I could tolerate this environment, which, which was no longer serving my soul. That is a huge statement. And, and I, I need to put that out there again, because I think that's something that happens to a lot of people. Once you find something that lights you up and you're doing something that you've been done, been doing for so long and maybe been satisfied with, and just starting to feel like it wasn't suiting you anymore, serving you anymore. It's so interesting to me how once you find that other new thing, and you actually dip a toe or a whole foot in it, that thing you've been doing sometimes for 20 some odd years becomes intolerable. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like we go up a level of like what, what, what our standards are for, right. For experiencing life. Right. Way. Yeah. It's like you, it's like, um, <laughs> it's almost like trying a new food that you didn't even know you liked or that existed and then you can't get enough of it. And you're like, how was I ever eating that? You know, whatever before yeah. this is amazing and why would I have ever you know where's this been my whole life <laughs> exactly right. exactly how have I lived without avocados yeah whatever, whatever it is, the right. thing is. Right. yeah so yeah um I'm just I'm taking notes because this is so great so you you're moving along you're still doing this for free you're stripping but the more you're doing this the more you're realizing I, I don't know how much longer I can do this so where was the transition for you 
Yeah. So it was, it wasn't a, an immediate overnight transition. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a, it was a, oh, I'm really enjoying this. And where can I take this? Cause this, once I started doing it, it became, you know, people were like, Hey, I think my, my boyfriend at the time had had a new boyfriend at that time. And he was like, you know, people make money doing this, right? Like putting together newsletters and editing and mm-hmm. writing and all these things that you're doing. And I was like, yeah. And it was just kind of this kind of like taking baby steps. Right. Because I was not at a point there where I was ready to pitch anything to Cosmopolitan, right. Time Magazine, or like that sure. was like way out of my comfort zone. So these were little tiny baby steps. So what I did next is I pitched, um, I thought, oh, maybe I can try some real journalism. So I offered to do volunteer writing for a community newspaper that mm-hmm. just served like a little neighborhood in Toronto. And so mm-hmm. I would go and do profiles of businesses sure. or write about local heroes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And that gave me more confidence. And then as I got more confidence doing that, I pitched to another kind of little newsletter saying, can I volunteer doing this? And at the same time, I was involved in like, I got involved in Toastmasters because I liked being on stage, but I right. wanted to keep my clothes on. <laughs> so, you know, like I started like really the, the who I was started really bubbling forth like, right. all my innate abilities. Um, and then I realized, okay, you know what? I think, I think I need a tunnel. I need to go through a tunnel to distance myself from stripping because I tried periodically to quit and thought, oh, maybe I'll apply for some journalism jobs, but I just didn't have the confidence at that point. And I didn't feel like I had the, the, um, the credential or whatever, even though I probably could, I could have totally done freelance writing. And I was taking, like, I think I even took like a side, like a course on how to freelance, was you know, there, on how to do magazine writing. And yeah. Was it for you, um, when you say you didn't have the confidence or you tried to quit, but you couldn't, was it a fear of letting go of that financial, regularity yeah or was it just the confidence in general of like I I guess did you look at yourself and and see yourself as June or did you see yourself as a stripper yeah and I think it was both and I think it was that transition between the identities Mm. right who am I and um you know, and it was also easy to kind of go back to stripping for the money tree, right? Even right. It wasn't, it wasn't great money and it was hard. It, you know, it started out as great money and got harder and harder mm-hmm. with, with the boundaries that I had. So, um, yeah. So it was kind of like, well, the money tree's there. I can just go to the money tree, work for a week and then get enough for like, you know, to pay my rent and the minimum. And it really right. was the minimum. Like I was not making money. Sure. Like I wasn't. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was, it was a mix of both of those. And then it was also a feeling like my identity has been impacted by what I've been doing for the past. And I think subconsciously I knew this. My identity has been impacted by what I've been doing for the past six years. And yes, I define myself as a stripper, right? Because I've come mm. out, I've been a spokesperson for this. And um, and I thought that I needed to take, I needed like a clean break mm-hmm. from that, but I needed kind of someone to hold my hand as I okay. went into the next phase of my life. And that's what I looked at this postgraduate degree in journalism that I did as I thought it's two years. I'm going to learn. I'm going to be, I'm going to meet professional journalists. I'm going to have opportunities to intern. It's going to boost my confidence. And so let's, let's just save enough for school and then go to school and see what happens. Okay. Yeah. And so that's what I did. That's yeah. Awesome. Did yeah. you, did you find along the way, um, that you, I'm going to say hid 
your your previous lives, life in Denver's whatnot, or did you find that you used it as a rebirth story along the way? I'm interrupting this awesome episode because I have to bring out something that I think we've all felt that I have felt. And it's that gut feeling that something in your life is missing, that there's got to be something else out there for you. And guess what? It is so hard to ignore. We tell ourselves, I shouldn't shift. I should be happy with what I have. And generally, there are signs showing us that a major change is needed in our life. But we talk ourselves into ignoring them. Here's the thing. Those feelings are going to keep showing up over and over in different ways until you get the guts to pay attention to them and decide to make a shift. And once you make that decision, people need support to shift. They need confidence. They need clarity. I did. And I would love to support you so that you can do the same. Right now, I have two amazing options of Get Your Shift Together to help you get the confidence the clarity and the direction that you need to make that shift in your life that your gut is telling you it's time to make. And if you want to know more about them, you have to go to taragreeve.com or message me on the Should Theory with Tara Grieve Facebook page and we will get you moving to the shift that you know it's time for you to make. I totally used it as a platform and I like I still am like to this day it's like it's a really mm-hmm. great story um, and people are interested in it and as somebody who is like a journalist someone who's like always thinking about what's the story that's it's right. a great hook right so I literally I've, I'm kind of done with the story yeah. to be honest now like I'm not into like I'm, I'm like so far from it but I mean, in the in the 10 years since or tw- like how long has it been in the 15 mm-hmm. years since I quit I wrote a play based wow. on being a stripper, kind of giving an inside look about what it's like to be a stripper. I took that all across Canada awesome. one summer. Um, yeah, I won an award for that. And then I wrote a book. Then I became a dating coach okay. much later. And my book that I wrote a book called Love Lessons from Whoa. a Lap Dancer, what a great title. which was all about things that I, yeah, all about things that I learned about men working mm. in strip clubs. And then how to use that confidence that a woman that that strippers have in theory, right, about their body, about being choosy and like owning their power in the relationship and how to use that when you're dating. So I used it for that, you know, um, when I did my speech, I did the speech about the one that you saw. It was about stripping. So it's a great kind of introduction to how you can transform your life. So I have used it. I love that. And I think, um, you know, I think people people hesitate to take their experiences and who they are and what made them who they are. They hesitate if they choose to go in a new direction to, to say, you know, this is where I've been, but this is where I'm going. A lot of them just want to start mm-hmm. over and don't worry about what's back there. Don't look behind the curtain. Fresh. <laughs> you yeah. know? So yeah. I think it's great that you, that you found a way to, to use it to really maybe launch um, some of, some of your successes and that's fantastic. So yeah, do you, do you keep in touch with any of the people or have you, have you, I'm going to say helped any of the girls that used to work with out? No, (laughs) no. And I'm going to say why, because, um, I actually wasn't close to Uh anybody that I worked with when I, when I was stripping, um, when I first started, I have mm-hmm. an older sister, thank God for wise older sisters. And I told her, I hadn't told my parents yet, but I told her and she said, uh, she said, well, can I give you some advice? Uh, keep mm-hmm. it business. 
And by that, don't hang out after work with yeah. people for drinks. Don't um, don't get sucked into because she was she was old like she'd been around the block as well and she'd seen some rough things and she's like don't get sucked into the lifestyle of like yeah. partying and drinking and doing drugs or whatever mm-hmm. else is going on or you know or or go down a, another path where you could sure. go to porn. Not like there's anything wrong no, with that. I hear but that's you. not yep. the right path for me. Yeah. Yeah, so she she really advised me, and so I took that to heart. And when I danced, I would go to work, I would make my money, I would come back, yeah. I would come home. And so I think that really helped Absolutely. me keep a level head. And I do know, I do know, I do have one friend um, from back in the day who really yeah. got messed up because she didn't, and she would hang out after work. And um, it's easy to it's easy to go down this like it's it's a rabbit hole when people value you for your appearance and and their their perception mm. of you right it can be really challenging to see yourself as something other yes. than that um and and i think that's that's huge and i think that's something that people find inhibiting is when you know they believe first of all people actually do it they they value you for who they think you are um who or yeah. what i should say um, they think you are, and and they judge you based on what they think you should be. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, and you have to be really strong to kind of to step away from that and say who who do I yes. think I am, right? And who do I who do I want Absolutely. to be? You do. You ha- what what future version of me is calling me to? Yeah, you that? you have to be really strong. I think to to step away from. Um, those expectations or those labels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yeah. So I, I'm trying to keep track because this is so interesting to me. So you um, started, you went to journalism school and you started writing these articles. You were able to use your past experiences as a hook, as you said, to get yourself out there. You wrote this play. So I would love to hear mm-hmm. about your successes and, you know, your journey uh, you know, June, the journalist. <laughs> yeah. And that goes all over the place too. <laughs> it's, it's like, so I, I went to journalism school and it was, uh, it was great. Like I really, like I thrived mm-hmm. there. It was like, oh, this is a thing. However, I quickly realized hard news has no interest. I don't want to chase ambulances. I don't want to report mm-hmm. on politics. You know, I, I like, if I would ever, if I got into, um, I guess, traditional broadcast media, I'd be like the morning right, television right. host, right? Like, Hey, let's, let's all yeah, make a exactly. pie today. Right. Like that's my vibe. What are the I, trends don't want this I don't want the bad yeah, exactly. news. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So I went to journalism school. Um, I graduated with, uh, I'd specialized in, in magazine writing. So it was kind of not, uh, and not so, um, no team oriented or people oriented. Like I shouldn't say that, but it wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't on stage. I wasn't yeah. presenting anything, and I mm. missed that. I didn't miss stripping, but I missed being on stage and I missed having the attention. So I started doing stand up wow. comedy. <laughs> yeah, as a way to get my, you know, my self expression, my need to self express, and to be in front of an audience okay. out of my system. And so I did stand-up comedy and I, I started getting better and better at that. And I became kind of a semi-pro, mm-hmm. I'd say. Like I was getting weekend gigs and getting paid for it, which is something, if you've ever done stand-up comedy, just getting I paid to do imagine. stand-up comedy and just surviving. Yeah. You're blowing me thing. away with all of these yeah. things that you're doing that to me, I'm like, ah, no, 
wait, you did what? Huh? No, <laughs> I love it. So I'm, I'm so impressed. Yeah. Yeah. So I graduated and I got a job at a business magazine, which didn't mm -hmm. exactly light me up, yep, but it paid right. the bills again. And at this time I was getting more into stand-up comedy and, and I was also thinking too, that, oh, I wish I'd done broadcasting because I love being on camera. I love interviewing, right, I love being sure. interviewed, all these things, right? And um, so a girlfriend and I, we decided to do this project called 52 Mondays where we went around, I'm from Toronto, and we, we went uh, out every Monday night and we did like a little clip on something to do in Toronto on a Monday night. And we did this for a year to get our mm -hmm. reels together, to get a job in broadcasting. Um, and at the same time, I was also doing a live uh, stand-up show of my own to improve my mm -hmm. own stand-up skills and booking that. So there was like a lot going on and doing a little bit of freelance writing, doing a little bit of freelance videography, like just like a whole bunch of stuff. And then I got um, then I got this opportunity to do this play across Canada on all these different stages. And I hadn't written the play. I'd only pitched the play. And so then I was like, okay, well, we're going to just quit everything and do the play because right. that's super fun. Yeah. So then I wrote the play. I did the play for a summer. I came back from the play. My second husband, now I was married. Um, shortly after I got back, he lost mm. his job. Uh, and so I was like, okay, I'm, I'm making a little bit of money from all this stuff, but not enough to support us both. So he had a dream to, to do a, a business venture. And I thought, you know what, I've been chasing my dream. Now's my right. time to support you. So I kind of quit everything that I was doing in my plans. I was still writing a second play, but that was mm -hmm. going to be a part-time thing. And I got a job as a temp and my job as a temp, um, led me to a job in the government, in the mm -hmm. Ontario government, which to me felt like that is the last place I ever <laughs> right. thought I would wind up or be happy or enjoy. But when I got into the government, I saw very quickly uh, that the places where I was being placed, they really needed my skills. They needed an editor. They needed somebody who understood mm -hmm. communications. They needed somebody who understood right. how to tell a story, who understood how to put videos together. And so I wound up applying for a job as a senior writer doing internal okay. communications. And so suddenly I had my own platform. Like I had this intranet with an audience of 65,000 mm. people, because that's how many people wow. work for the government, where I was planning the stories. I was giving them how-to advice. I was talking about stuff happening. I was interviewing people. I was shooting videos. And I was doing all these things that I've been doing back for the Exotic right. Dancers Alliance years right. late, like earlier. But I was doing it for a really decent yeah. salary. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> and, it, and it was like, I'm, I was like, what? You know, I remember one day being in the government being like, oh, my God, I think I like this. Ooh, don't tell anyone. It's a government job and I'm enjoying yeah. myself. Right. And I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. But because I can't just do one thing. And whenever I learn something, I have to share it. So, you know, fast forward a couple more years, my husband and I would get divorced and then I'm single again for the first time in like mm. 14 years and I'm dating and I'm really, and I'm really enjoying it. And I'm deciding, you know what? Well, first off, first of all, I right. wasn't enjoying it. And I was like, how can I get better at this? So I read a million dating books, took them out. I went on a hundred oh dates goodness. in one year, tried out all right. the advice. Yeah. And, and just kind of like made myself this living experiment for how mm. to date in your forties. And then people were asking me for advice and I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to put on some courses. I'm going to put on like some workshops and then I became okay. a dating coach. <laughs> Love it. I'm with you. I'm, listen, this list that I'm writing is, is it's, it's kind awesome. of crazy. Yeah. 
Yeah. So then I was a part-time dating coach while I was working at the government. And then the government job changed and politics got involved. And suddenly it wasn't so much fun anymore. And it had become time to change. It became like stripping again. Like I was not enjoying it. I was feeling trapped by the money, like the exact same story. Right. And uh, so I was like, okay, I need to get out of this. So I was like, how do I become a full-time coach? And so I, exp I explored different types of coaching. Um, I saved a whole bunch of money. And then the, the, I, I decided I was going to save X amount of right. money to leave. And as soon as I made that decision, they announced layoffs. Uh, and I stuck up my hands. And I said, lay me off. So they laid me off. And then so for the past year and a half, I've been fully employed as a self-employed. Okay. And I started as a business coach. And I was a spiritual coach, finding my footing, right? Sure. Dating coaching, I realized it wasn't quite mm -hmm. the right fit for me. Um, after I, I wrote the book and then I decided, ah, now I want to do something different. So yeah, so then I was a spiritual coach. I was a business coach because people were asking me how yep. do I make money as a coach. And and that has kind of morphed back into, which it all comes mm -hmm. full circle, right? It always comes back to who you are and what you're good at. So what I do now is I help coaches, consultants, and freelance creatives with their content. So and I that help brings them, the writing back uh, into it. And that brings the writing back into it. It brings the marketing. It brings the self-expression into it. So I help them tell their stories and also connect with their ideal audiences in ways that are going to build connections between you and the people you want to work with. I'm just shaking my head here going, wow, what a story. <laughs> what a story. <laughs> and I love it. I, I, I love every bit of it. Um, whew, I'm so overwhelmed, but in a good way. All right, let me throw at you, if you're ready, the questions that I throw at every person that I talk to, um, because just just for the listeners to keep up with us, we have gone through stripper, writer, and editor, uh, stand-up comedian, book author, dating coach, writer for the government, content coach, and writer. That Wow. Unbelievable. I love it. Yeah. And there were a whole bunch I of things it. in between that little ones it. that I didn't mention. So um, <laughs> yeah. as you reflect back, because I think we covered, what, 21 years worth of you, roughly? Yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah, it's about 20 so years. So yeah. as you reflect, um, what, given that this is should theory, what shoulds that are negative um, hit you still to this day where you go, oh, I don't know. And, and that's something that holds you back, that inhibits you, that makes you question mm. things. What negative should still inhibits you? Yeah, I think it's um, it, it's still it's something that I'm facing mm -hmm. now because I'm moving. Um, but one of the one of the shoulds is you should have enough money. You should you should have all the money set up in advance before you make a move. Ah. My yeah. dogs are deciding to be noisy. You should have yeah. all. You should, yeah, you should have all your ducks in a row before you make a ah. move. Basically, you should have it all lined up. You should know exactly how it's going to go. You should have evidence that you're going to have, you know, uh, the income mm -hmm. that you need. Yeah. And and that's not always Yo. realistic. If you can do it, for, for sure do it. But if you're working a full-time job and you have a part-time passion, you know, sometimes one of them's going to have yeah, to give absolutely. a little to make that part-time. So on the other time. side of yeah. that, what positive should keeps you motivated? Yeah. Um, so I guess what keeps me motivated, you should not be afraid to Ooh. change. Yes. And you certainly are not, yeah. ma'am. <laughs> that, 
Uh, well, you know, it, it's it. Uh, every time I kind of roll my eyes at myself, I just think of my parents rolling their eyes at me. <laughs> what like, are we doing now, June? And now I'm going to be this. No, I love that. Um, what advice would you give to June who um, decides that stripping is the way to make money so that you can see the world and um, knows that you that there's something bigger out there? What advice would you give to her now? I would say to her, girl, do this for eight months and mm-hmm. then do something else. I would say, don't be afraid to change from that. Don't get, don't get addicted to the attention or the money. You know, that's what I would say. I would say, do it for the first, you know, make a limit and then make that a hard limit and say, I'm going to do this for this long. And the second it's not fun, I am going to I do love something it. And else. have the courage to follow through. And have the courage to follow through. And I would say to her too, I would say reach out to people who are doing what you want Ooh, to do. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, don't do it in isolation. Don't try and change your life in isolation. Reach out to people who are already in that world and they can lift you up. They can be your mentors. They can be your guides. Absolutely. Um, and then my last question is, what is the best advice you've ever gotten that you still lean on to this day? Don't do anything you'd be ashamed to tell others. Love it. So if you make a decision, then stand by Mm -hmm. it. And isn't it funny um, how often often people do want to make a shift? Um, It could be small. You know, it could be something small like a career – well, I don't want to say small like a career change. It could be something small. It could be – Something bigger like, you know, I think I'm going to get divorced or I think I'm going to uh, completely change my career or whatever. I know if I'm being fully transparent, when I decided to start this podcast to to change on my Facebook profile and put podcast host, I put it and then I like waited like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I was waiting for like, what? Wait, what? You know, but it's it's interesting how we do that to ourselves. You know, we we're ashamed to tell others the simplest thing that there's really no shame in at all. So I think that's great Mm -hmm. advice. I like, well, actually, before I, before I reflect on some of the great things that you've said, how can people find you if they want to read your stuff, if they want to see your play, if they want to work with you, how can people get in touch with you and find you? Yeah. So the best way to find me is junemorrow.com. So that's M-O-R-R-O-W.com. Uh, they can also, if they're uh, if they're interested in, if they're new coaches or consultants or mm-hmm. service-based professionals, I also have a Facebook group called the 3C Club for new service-based Love entrepreneurs. It. And that's the letter, and the, letter the number C. three. Okay. Yeah, the 3C Club. And that stands for collaboration, uh, connection, and community. It. And are you on Instagram and all the other things? No, no. I am on Facebook. I'm a little bit on LinkedIn. I'm going to be bumping up my profile, but Instagram, I simplify, simplify, simplify my social media. I love it. Yeah. So I want to point out some of the great gems of wisdom that you shared today. Um, And some of them are quick, quick little snippets of things that you said, like don't get trapped by the money. Um, Build a bridge, which is something that I think you were starting to do towards other opportunities. Um, take baby steps. You said, my identity has been impacted by what I have been doing. 
and the strength that you had to realize that and do something about it. Um, you said, I love this one, who I was started bubbling forth. And what a great feeling that is. Um, you talked about when people value you for who or what they think that you are, you have to be strong to step away from that. Um, you shared with us that you should not be afraid to change and that you should ignore the fear that you should have all your ducks in a row before you make a move. Um, your advice to June back in the day would be to do it for eight months or to make a limit and then be ready to shift and do something else so you don't get sucked in. Or if it's not working out, don't be afraid to make a change. And finally, um, you said, don't do anything that you would be ashamed to tell others. You shared so many amazing things. I want to restate that the title of your book is Love Lessons from a Lap Dancer. Where can we find that book? Oh, you can find awesome. that on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a guide awesome. for women who want to date with confidence and understand men. I love it. June, this did not disappoint. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a really long time, and it was better than I even imagined. You are inspirational. Thank you. You really are. Your, your level of confidence, your willingness to change, your um, just openness about who you are and what you're about is really impressive. And I think people are going to get a lot out of listening to all that you had to say today. Thank you so Thank much you, for being with me. What's up, everybody? I hope you loved that episode. June is so interesting and so amazing. I would greatly appreciate it if you would take the time to rate and review this podcast. It helps get us out to more people. It helps people get helped. And I would really want to hear what it is that you have to say that you think about the show, what you love, what you want to hear more of. Thank you so much for being listeners. And I cannot wait to bring you more content, more shifts, and more people who are doing amazing things. Until next time, take care.